All right, what's happening? We're live. It's me. It's Brad Ward, crossover edition, all eyes on Cleveland, OBR film breakdown. Brad, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good, Jake. How are you, man? This is uh, this is an interesting week here. We're going to find out what's uh, going on at quarterback here and uh, play an interesting game in Indianapolis, try to stack two wins together here. Yeah, the vibes are weird. I'll say that. I mean, I think that, like, as you look at this game on the surface, you and I would agree it feels like a game the Browns should win, right? It feels like if Deshaun Watson is the quarterback that we know he is, if he's healthy enough to play, which we had confirmation tonight that it's moving in that direction, barring some pregame setback, both the most important insiders in the business, Schefter, Rappaport, both said that he will be out there and playing on Sunday. So that's pretty much a confirmation of a start, again, unless something happens in pregame or he wakes up and it feels horrible all of which is possible, although remote, but it's still a thing. So he's slated to start. The question is, Brad, before we dig into the other stuff, how confident does this situation make you feel? Like, does getting Deshaun Watson back here take you from like, oh, the Browns should win this to the Browns will win this? Or does it really do nothing for you because you're nervous with some of the rust? I think that's the big question. Uh, it does nothing for me. Uh, I guess I still feel the same way about it. Um, I. I am hoping, I hope that he comes out and looks great, obviously, but uh, my, my gut feeling is, you know, I just kind of think this feels a little rushed and I would have preferred they waited, but, uh, and got him a full week of throwing and practice before running him out there. But if this is what they, I mean, they, they know more than me. So if this is what they want to do, that's fine, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah. From my side, I feel like we all wanted Watson back. We're eager to see him back. But now that he's there and it's landed, it's like, okay, like you said, Brad, did they did it did they rush this thing? But again, I feel like it was like out of nowhere and then boom, it all came together. And they said that they'd been laying breadcrumbs about it could happen today, it could happen, or sorry, it could happen tomorrow, it could happen Friday, it could happen yep. two weeks from day now. We day. don't know. And and so it it arrived, right? Once you get healthy, you know, you, the the swelling and the tears kind of heal themselves. It it does lend to like, oh, I feel normal. I feel just like when any sprain in your life happens, it heals and then you're good to go. So that's the thought here. The thing for me is like, okay, getting a guy off of a shoulder injury as a quarterback. That's always that's always something. It, yes. It's a, honestly relatable to me, Brad, of when Watson came back from the 12 game suspension where I'm like, yes, I'm just kind of like nervous energy about it. Can he protect himself? Because at times in the first three games, he was taking unnecessary hits of his own doing, right? Not even I understand that the play that he got hurt on was a designed quarterback run, but there were other times where he was waiting to throw the football away, unnecessary hits he was collecting on his own doing. Can he play a clean version of a football game where he doesn't take any of those hits? Sometimes hits happen in structure. There's nothing you can do about it. But can he play a game where he doesn't generate unnecessary hits, keep that shoulder clean? Because if you get... You know, if you get average Deshaun Watson, which is what we just sort of need him to be, that's a significant upgrade from the last two starting weeks of quarterbacks, right? Yes. There's no doubt about that. But you also, like you said, Brad, you have that nervousness of, you know, at any moment a shoulder could go awry and you feel like there's always some of that going on. But I feel like they've done a lot of diligence into now once they identified it, although late, they identified it, figured it out. And I think they know the prognosis going forward for how to keep it right. So hopefully we start to see some of those applications and process, right? That's That's got to be the hope here is that he can, they have some design stuff to get rid of the football quickly. He can kind of yes. change a little bit of some of the holding on to the football stuff he's too known for 
and it can actually work to maybe benefit him and benefit the offense. That's the hope. Does it work out that way? Who knows? But that would be the the hope here is that it can it can help Watson, you know, speed up the mental side of it, play on time, play on schedule, and help him, you know, help him help himself has got to be a little bit of the goal here, a little bit of the best outcome possible. I, I would phrase it that way. You know what I mean? That would be ideal. Absolutely. Okay, let's dig in on um, the the uh, the stuff that matters now, right? So Browns, Colts, all time, Brad. I, you know they got together. I think they got together in twenty one. Am I right about 20. that? I don't know if they, they got together in twenty. All right, I thought they got together uh, in 20, yeah. uh, since then, but okay. So twenty, uh, good year for the Browns. I think they beat them at home, if I recall, and then yes. it wasn't uh, twenty seventeen. They got together before that in Indy, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, 32 okay. 23 win at home and 20 and a loss uh, uh, in Indian 17. It's kind of ironic that these two teams reside in the AFC and they, you know, the Colts haven't been winning that division very often. I mean, they a little bit here and there uh, since uh, since luck retired, but they don't see each other that much. Just it feels like there's some teams we see from other divisions every season. It's almost locked into it, right? But you don't see the Colts all too often, which is kind of strange. Maybe that becomes a bit more of a thing here. Um, you know, as Richardson gets better and better, maybe the Browns take a step in the division and you can start seeing these two teams run into each other often. What's the all-time series? I have to think it's not very good because of the Manning era uh, where they it, dominated. It, it's actually 15 and 15. So, oh. yeah, so they're square. Indies won three of the last four. Uh, interesting note, that 2017 game was Jacoby Brissett beating the Browns. Mm, that's right. Now I recall that. That was when... You know, those luckiers came out of nowhere, right? The injuries, and then all of a sudden the retirement that followed the injury. So, yeah, I remember that, Jacoby. I remember it well. Um, Okay, and I think Anthony Walker, if I recall, in 2020 played a pretty good game against the Browns. I can't totally remember the stats, but yeah. I remember Walker having a pretty good one. Um, All right, so weather is going to be strange because it is indoors, but they're keeping the roof open. So we gave the weatherman, Andrew Spade, the week off. So yeah. walk us through a little bit. I think it's going to be chillier than you would expect for them to open up the roof of that thing. Yeah, it's like a high of 58. There's been some uh, crying or, uh, you know, complaining from the indie crowd. I think that the roof is going to be open, but Ursay has put his foot down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, roof open, window close. So one end is, I guess, openable via windows. Those will be closed, but the roof will be open, uh, which is, boy, what wouldn't that be amazing to have those options? It would be uh, really amazing to have those options. And I think that's this, that is one stadium, having been there, visited myself, that I would copy paste in Cleveland. Yep. That thing is beautiful. So well done. Yep. Uh, agreed. And and then, you know, just to throw this on top of it, uh, you know, they will be wearing their Indiana Knights jerseys, Jake. What do you think uh, of those, Brad? I think they look uh, like Duke. Uh, Very college. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I forget if it was a a girlfriend when I was younger that told me not to wear black with blue. I don't know. Or my mom. Somebody told me not to wear black with blue when I was younger. But I guess you're allowed to do it now. I don't know. Their blue and black doesn't look that great together. Uh, I kind of like the white and blue better. I wish they maybe would have leaned into maybe like an all white like the Browns did. Uh, the black helmets look funny. Yeah, I, I think that maybe because, I mean, they have an all white edition of their uniforms, right? Their road stuff is all white. Maybe right. if they did like an all blue with a blue helmet Ooh. instead, maybe like a like yeah. a true blue. I know they do like their 
color rush uniforms were all blue, but the helmet was still white. So I don't know. Maybe if they dipped their toes back into some of that, or maybe they went vintage with like the blue face mask back in the early Manning era days. Yeah. Colts yeah. don't have a ton of exciting options with the jerseys. They don't really have like yeah. a third color. They, they have two colors, right? So the Browns can obviously mix in white with their orange and brown. The Colts have blue and white. And it's like now they introduce black and it's one thing I hate with uniforms is when, and this is a bigger college thing. I talk to some people about sometimes when teams yeah. just go using black for the sake of using black, like Correct. that doesn't work for every team. And this is an example of it. Just you're trying too hard to have an alternate. It doesn't look good. Now I think it will juxtapose well with the Browns. This yeah. is my favorite Browns combination. One that they do not wear very often, which drives me crazy because it is like the, the nostalgia Supreme man, the all white with the orange helmet. It's my favorite traditional Browns look. And it'll look, I think what I'm saying is on TV, it'll look a little better than what we're anticipating from the Colts, just general uniform choice here. I actually am kind of thinking it's going to look good on TV, but yeah, don't just throw black into your uniforms to do it. Like that's just not, it's not a good look. You know, I've seen like, yeah, trying to think of one that I saw like Kansas recently, that's a team that's got blue and now Kansas introduces red into their stuff, but they're more blue and white. And they had an, like an all black kansas uniform football wise i'm mm. like that's just force that doesn't look good and and people just like to do it to do it so yeah count that in yeah i i agree all right for coverage this one it looks like is this a cbs game or is this fox i can't remember it was cbs right it, it's cbs so we're back to uh spiro didis adam archuleta and a dd kinka kinka walla yep so and, fami- a familiar uh, group there for sure very all familiar right. with them and their work yeah okay Good, not, good to know. All right, so let's talk. I think we should shift to. We've already covered weather. Let's shift to. Let's shift to betting. I mean, the line's weird, but I, I again, we talked about it in the preview. I think you have a spicy little parlay that is well worth your time. Listen, if you're not listening to these, Brad and I've been giving out winners. Really, oh, largely baby. Brad. He's been kicking butt with this, but there's there's one here that he's got that's going to cook up at like 150 bucks in your pocket if you listen. Yeah, well, they they. they uh... They threw a little uh, wrench at us here, Jake, and they took away our our uh, our golden goose of uh, the running back receiving yardage. No, no backs uh, available right now on the. They've books been listening. For the They've been listening to our pod. They know they have. They've been taking a beating at the books, and they, and they <laughs> just like please stop. Uh, just kidding. Uh, so uh, real quick, the line is minus three and a half uh, Browns. Uh, 80% of the bets coming in on Cleveland and over under of 41, which is a little higher than I expected, Jake. Yeah. Um, now the Colts have scored over 20 points in every game this year. So, uh, that's interesting. But, uh, so here we go, right? We, we hit the Cooper last week, right? I think we go right back to the well there. I've got Cooper over 62 and a half yards and I'm going to pair that with, uh, his reception number, which seems low at four and a half catches Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna go over four and a half catches okay okay this is the first uh section of our little parlay here now you can play these straight or you can play them in a parlay however you want you know do your thing uh more elijah moore i think he gets over three and a half receptions that's where the line is i'm going there too okay we talked about we talked about this one jok over three and a half solo tackles over three and a half solo tackles. I like I like that number. Getting to four, not at all impossible there. So I'm I'm into that one for sure. No, I think he's trended over that too, uh, in most of his games. All right. Then we're gonna throw in Hopkins over one and a half field goals. Like that? I do like that. I think he's had 
see it multiple in most games. I, I think they're going to be games. kicking a lot of field goals here, right? The you would expect yeah. the Browns' offense to be a little bit rusty. Um, yeah, I feel like that is a very realistic two field goal game. Like again, they end up winning it like twenty to seventeen or twenty to sixteen, something, something like that. A couple touchdowns, a couple field yeah. goals seems very logical. And then to be, you know, the best betters that we can here. We're going to take that three and a half total and tease it down, which you can do in your same game parlay, tease it down to minus one for the Browns, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that covers, you know, those field goal victories and stuff like that, right? Three and a half is a tricky number. So take it down to one. And if you throw that in as your last leg, you're looking at plus 1,717 to one. $10 wins you about $180. So, uh you know, feel free to tail. Mine's already submitted, so uh, I'm going with it. The uh, that as my our little parlay here this week, Jake. I like it. I think that's a great play to take. Um, I don't know that there's anything else to really cover here. I think that we try to give out one winner. That's the angle, and I think you gave out a pretty good one there. So we like to hit that. But if there are any others, Brad, finish up with that before we take a break. No, I just wanted to, do you want to hit officials on the front side of this or on the back? Let's hit it on the back. We're going to take a break, come back, talk officials, talk how the Browns going to win here, then send you on your jolly way here into your Sunday, whatever your list is to do before we get to the start of this one. So, uh, okay, so we're we're trying to get better with, you know, we've done the gambling for a while, but the officiating crews, I think, are something that play a way bigger part in NFL Sundays than we think. And there are a bunch of smart people out there who cover this stuff, Brad, and we wanted to give a chance to, like, to just talk through a couple key uh, you know, go through who the head referee is, but then talk through some either highlights, lowlights, or, or tendencies that these guys have. So I know you've done the homework on this. Fill us in on, uh, I think, what is it? Is it Sean Smith who's running this one? Yeah, Sean Smith. Um, he is going into his sixth season uh, as a head referee, right? So, yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, the notes from Sharp uh football analysis.com they have some notes on him and we'll just kind of hit those real quick but you know he says he is not intimidated by home crowds which is a good thing obviously as evidenced by his against the spread numbers um his officiating style also gives the offense a chance to make plays and perhaps get assistance on uh pass interference calls uh, to extend drives. So he's not afraid to throw those flags. Um, those pass interference penalties uh, for him have averaged, uh, been on a downward trajectory, however, since his first season as a head ref in 2018. So trying to uh, course correct there. But, you know, his numbers are pretty straight down the line. 50, 49% of uh, home teams, 40, uh, you know, 34, 35, 45, and 2 against the spread for home teams. So all this stuff kind of helps the Browns, right? The fact that he's trying not to look biased to home teams, it, it kind of feels like a little bit. That's maybe a reach, but that's what the numbers tell you there. Um, against the Browns, if you dive into it, since he's been a head ref, he's 2-3-1. and one. Important games that he officiated that are Browns games. Uh, the week one tie in 2018, that was his first game as a head ref. 21-21 uh, tie at home against Pittsburgh. Uh, he also officiated the week 17 game that same season, which was a loss at Baltimore. Um, Sunday night football, 
in uh, 2019 with Freddie week three uh, lost to the Rams at home. He was the official there. And then in probably the most important of them all in 20, the pandemic season, he was the official for the Browns Thursday night win week two, which was memorable over the Browns or over the Bengals. Pardon me. Hopefully not over the Browns, over the Bengals. And then, of course, the uh, we- wild card weekend in the empty Pittsburgh Stadium. He was the official there in a 48-37 playoff win for the Browns. Uh, Sean Smith has only officiated one Browns game since then. It was last year, and it was a road loss uh, to Baltimore week seven. Those are great insights, man. He's been involved in some important Browns games. Ironic that he's been involved in some you know, previous Colts-Browns games you like. You know, obviously the data isn't going to drive a ton of stuff here with the not favoring the home team, but it is at least moderately something you want to hear, right? So encouraging stuff around that one. He'll look like a familiar face. You've seen him around the NFL before. Hopefully the Browns get a good shake in this one. I like that information. I like that he's been around uh, Stefanski a little bit. So obviously that should all help in some way, shape, or form. We'll hopefully see that come to fruition here on Sunday. So Brad, the big question as we close here is, is really just simple. We're not going to do three keys anymore. I think, I think we just need to hit on a simple question. How do the Browns get it done? Right? Like how do they, how do they go into Indianapolis and get a win? Like what has to happen on both sides of the ball to get a win in your opinion? I would say first and foremost, the Browns are three and two. They played two games with backup quarterbacks and they've lost the turnover battle in every single game. Not even broke even, Jake. They've lost it in every single game and somehow they're three and two. That trend will not continue. So you got to play clean football. Uh, This is a defense that'll take it away from you. They have eight takeaways this year. They forced eight fumbles, recovered four, and have four interceptions. So uh, they could have more than eight, but they already have eight takeaways. Uh, They do kind of seek the turnover so Browns really need to protect the ball here and play clean don't shoot yourself in the in the foot uh you'd love to see them replicate the run game that they got going last week but the this uh Indianapolis team has a couple rookie uh corners that can be exploited uh Cooper even commented on it and you'd love to see this defense try to make them one-dimensional right Zach Moss Taylor those are the guys Pittman of course is a good receiver but you know, if you're looking at their what they do best, they run the ball best. Now, their offensive line is banged up. Their defensive line is banged up. They've got a lot going on over there. So, um, you know, I, I would like to try to get off to a fast start and make them one-dimensional, obviously, on defense because, you know, you'd like to be able to get after Minshew. Yeah, all very well stated. I think that, again – the two running back stuff with Moss and Taylor, they're two most talented. I think you would agree with me, Brad. The two most talented weapons that they have on offense are both running backs. Yeah. I think when I think of how you have to beat the Colts offense, it comes down to pressuring Minshew. Now the Colts will try to get the football out of his hands as quickly as possible. That will be the goal through, you know, beating specific zone. Co- they love to play teams that play zone coverages. The question is, The Browns like to play more man than just about anyone other than the Vikings. They're kind of right there with each other. Vikings like to do more cover zero blitzing and getting Flores crazy. But the Browns will play a ton of man. The goal here, and you heard Stefanski talk about that this week when he spoke on how he encouraged the scout team to play a very specific way. Right? It It was driven on getting the football out quick to get the defense ready for this. So the the goal for the Colts will be to put Browns defenders in conflict with RPO stuff as often as they possibly can. 
So the, how do the Browns combat that? Do they go with man-to-man? What do they do with left-to-right motion movers, right? Those last-second jet fly-sweep guys. How do they handle that? How do they handle those conflict? Like I said, the conflict situations, are they going to be sticky, meaning you're going to force the give and play your trust your front to handle the run game? That's important to see what is going to unfold early there. If they're able to do that and make Minshew hand it off, that's a good outcome. If they if they force Minshew to throw, they have to make him throw, like hold on to it, just like they did with Purdy. Funnel things, make him hold on to it a beat longer than he's comfortable, and he will make mistakes. It was all over the Jacksonville tape. He will make mistakes. So, you know, he wants to get it out quick. The Colts are probably working a ton of quick route man beaters to combat that. Double moves, pivots, whips, things they think will give them an advantage, rub routes. You'll see a lot of mesh. You'll see a lot of those shallow crossers. They're going to do stuff to, to handle that. How do the Browns handle that? Because they're going to be playing a lot of man. The Colts don't have a ton of wide receiver weapons, but Josh Downs, Michael Pittman, we'll see if Alex Pierce plays. Those two at least are very competent, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, they have the Isaiah McKenzie, who's a, a brought over from, from Buffalo during the offseason. We'll, we'll see. I just, the the if you see Minshew holding onto the ball longer than he wants to, the Browns' ability to play the RPO stuff, without committing an extra man into the box, forcing the give and being able to handle the run game, that's what's going to tell you the tale early. On the other side of the ball, it's how well do they run it. You're missing Grover Stewart. You have a chance here to make them pay for missing one of the best run defenders in the NFL. So if they can find some consistent pass to running the football, can can get some really strong run game efficiency, which I thought they had a nice uptick in against the 49ers, staying ahead of the sticks, it'll be a good situation. I don't... You know, because of Watson's shoulder, I don't expect a ton of downfield throwing shot throws. They could have a few sprinkled in, but I wouldn't be surprised if those were off. I'm expecting an inconsistent pass game. So can they find four drives, right? Can you create four drives that turn into points? Yep. If they can find four drives that turn into points, like I said, two touchdowns, two field goals is the number to me, Brad. Get to 20, right? The Colts have gotten to 20 every week. Well, the Baltimore game was kind of one of the weirder outcome games ever. You know, the, yeah. the Matt gave 50 yard kicks. They had 20 points because of garbage time against the Jags. So they're not some juggernaut offensively. If the Browns can get to 20, two touchdown drives, maybe get a short field, win the turnover battle, because they haven't done that this year, really. You can do that. You can put yourself in a real position to get to 20 and win that game with 20 and something under 17. The defense should still be stellar in this one. We'll see if the Colts have any sort of wrinkles up their sleeve here to confuse the Browns. I don't know that the Browns will come out with the exact same game plan. I wouldn't expect that. I do expect yeah. a decent amount of man coverage, but maybe not a ton. I just am going to be very curious about how they position defenders to take away some of those quick throws the Colts and Steichen like to use because Steichen was obviously connected with Philly the year before when they did the inner squads with the Browns. So they know he knows the Browns fairly well. And he knows Schwartz a little bit. So we'll see. It should be interesting. I think if the Colts get into 20 points, I'll be pretty disappointed. The Browns could still win. 24, 20, something like that. I just don't think they should get into the 20 point number and the Browns have to find a way to get there. So to me, if you can run the football on offense, take advantage of some advantageous throwing situations that you can create for your quarterback. Don't put the burden on his shoulders and on defense, take away the quick throwing options, make Minshew have to hold on to it, process, read and throw accurately on deeper downfield developing concepts. You have a real chance to beat him that way because you're going to create him being panicked, turnover worthy plays, sacks, fumbles, all the good stuff. So Browns should overwhelm them up front. They have the more talented unit. Uh, obviously, Braden Smith being out is a big loss for them. Blake Freeland steps yeah. in. So 
just a lot of things pointing in the Browns direction, but you got to take care of it. You got to do what you're supposed to do. Hold up your end of the bargain. Should be a good game, Brad. I think it should be a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns win in a blowout, but I think it's going to be close. Like that's an outcome. Yeah. I think Colts winning in a blowout doesn't seem that realistic to me, but Browns winning in a, a, a more extended victory type is very plausible, but this feels like a sort of 10 point, seven point. It's like hovering in, um, that, that, that kind of range where the Colts could strike late and figure something out, but the Browns have enough to hold them off. That's kind of my vibe. And I predicted 21, 17. What did you predict? Uh, I forget. I, I think, uh, 23, 17, something like that. Uh, 24, 17. Um, I had it as a two score game, I think, or no, maybe not. Uh, but either way, uh, I think that the, um, it's interesting, you know, Gus Bradley, you're going to see more cover three than you ever see. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They play more cover three than anybody in the league, and the Browns, you know, they're used to that. They saw that this kind, this defense, this scheme with Joe Woods for years. So, should have plenty of cover three beaters and all that stuff in in the mix when they do throw the ball. So, it'll be interesting. It's right there for them to take, Brad. It's a game they need. Get to four and two. Feel good about yourself coming back for the Cardinals. Have a chance to go to or sorry, when they they're actually before that going to Seattle again, a winnable game Seattle. in Seattle. Then you come home for the Cardinals. Three, a stretch of three games, you have a real chance to win. Be favored in two of them. We'll see what it looks like in Seattle, but they got to they got to handle business. Be a grown up yep. NFL team, handle business on the road. That's all I got. Anything before we go, Brad? That's it, man. They got to stack wins here if you're going to make some progress in the season. So it's got to yep. happen now. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. This is a team that you were supposed to beat, especially given the surrounding elements where the Colts are and the drama they've dealt with and sort of where they're at as an organization right now. Got to get this win. That's it for Brad and I for All Eyes on Cleveland for the OBR Film Breakdown. We appreciate you being here. Have a fantastic lead up to your Sunday football slate. One o'clock, right? There's a lot of teams on buys, six teams on buys. So there's not a ton of games, but enough NFL football to uh, to make your belly happy by the end of the day. You'll feast. And there's some really good ones. That Miami-Philadelphia game late. I'm very interested in Baltimore-Detroit and what that ends up looking like. That's a fun game as well. So uh, plenty out there to take in. We appreciate you guys stopping by. Appreciate you always rating and reviewing the podcast and joining the OVR $1 your first month. Take advantage of those. We really appreciate the community that is formed on our website. You guys should jump in and be a part of it. So again, on the way out the door here, thanks from Brad and I for stopping by and listening. Have a great Sunday, guys, and go Browns.